Good morning. Welcome to our house. This is I'm Melissa Scott Matthews. Welcome. We're so glad you're here with us. We hope you won't look too carefully at the hair around the ears or the gray stripe down the middle. Um, but welcome to Adventure Christian Church. We're just so happy that you've taken some time to be with us this morning. And we hope that the message that comes home will be something that is meaningful and relevant to you. Thanks, Melissa. Thrilled to be here with Melissa. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you. And happy Mother's Day to all the moms at home, the grandparents, the uh, mentors, the aunts. Happy Mother's Day, ladies. We're going to continue our series, Lessons in Lockdown, from Philippians chapter 4, an expository series built around Paul's last words to this church, teaching us how to stand firm in the Lord. And the question we're going to ask today is, how do we let God redeem our emotions? And what you're going to hear today is, think up in lockdown. Emotions are tricky. They're, they're great because they can lead us to some great decisions. Uh, one decision I made based out of emotion this week was to schedule a Zoom reunion with some of my high school musical friends, uh, the musical High Tops that I got to be in in the 80s. It was epic. I'm sure you've heard about it, not. Uh, but that was a decision I made just based on emotion. Had a lot of time and thought this would be fun. Some of my team members are making emotional decisions. Our worship pastor, Brian, decided he needed to buy an Xbox this week so he could build better relationships with his brothers. And Zach, our young adult and student pastor, determined he wanted to develop a dope mustache. And it is. It's looking really good. I don't know the why. It doesn't matter. Well, and Scott's given some kind of funny reasons for emotional decisions, like silly ones. But I know some of us during this season, really our emotions kind of have gotten out of control. We're filled with fear. We listen to the news too much. We're anxious about our finances. We're anxious about our kids learning anything while we homeschool. And so the question today about God kind of redeeming, or you might think of it as God buying back your emotions and kind of bringing them under his lordship. That's really what we're going to talk about today, is how during this lockdown, instead of your emotions getting out of control, your emotions can come under Christ. God can redeem your emotions during lockdown. So the bottom line is that Spock was wrong. The Vulcan uh, decision-making tool of logic and reason only really doesn't pan up to science. According to Antonio Damasio's uh, somatic marker hypothesis, our emotions are essential for making great decisions. Emotional processes guide our behavior, learning, and particularly our decision-making, and strongly influence our ability to decide wisely, quickly, and learn from past decisions. Your emotions are important, and they can help you make great decisions powerfully. Even casinos realize this and they play to this. If you're having some success with a particular deck of cards or uh, they set this up. I don't do a lot of casinos, but they set this up so that your comfort level is going to increase with early success so that they can take some money from you. Related to our 
emotions. Kurt Harlow at Bayside says the following. In other words, you cannot make decisions without emotions, and emotions are the most powerful way we discover how to become better. Great decisions are not devoid of emotion, but use emotion, emotional learning, to make rapid response to complex situations. Therefore, I must not deny my emotions, ignore them, neglect them, obsess over them, or indulge in them. I must let God redeem my emotions. So in your lockdown, we're going to challenge you today to let God redeem your emotions. We're going to tell you just in a quick sentence to, to think up in a lockdown. Now the context of our passage comes from the Mamertine prison in Rome. First century, Paul is writing from this prison in Rome. Let me just ask you, what would it be like to be in prison in the first century? Imagine that. What, what kind of uh, heating and air would be available to you? What kind of meal care would be there? Uh, what kind of pests might be there? Would you be alone? That's where Paul's writing this letter, trying to help us redeem our emotions. And wouldn't you like to know how to redeem your emotions? Here's what he says to the early church. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Now last week we had two initial lessons from lockdown. The first one was how to let God cure your conflict. And the second was related, how to let God answer your anxiety. On the heels of anxiety, we answered this question in our lockdown, how do we let God redeem our emotions? Week two, lesson three is in a lockdown, let God displace destructive thoughts. Paul says that when we do this, the peace of God which transcends understanding will guard your hearts. Let's talk just for a moment about where our negative thoughts sometimes come from. Sometimes they come from our circumstances. Sometimes they come from others. Sometimes they come from ourselves. They can be very negative. They can be lies that we absorb, that we listen to, that we apply to ourselves or even to others. First thing I want to say is that negative thoughts are normal. We all have negative thoughts. Sometimes I wake up in the morning thinking something that's bad. I won't even repeat it. And I'm like, why am I thinking that? And there's probably some reasons uh, that I have to own. But sometimes thoughts seem a little bit uncontrollable. However, to not have negative thoughts or to think that they're abnormal is kind of risky, even naivete, because you, you need to imagine that there is such a thing as evil in our world, that bad things can happen. You want to keep those in mind, but at bay. Are you using your negative thoughts or are they using you? What's your response to negative thoughts? Secondly, negative thoughts are better replaced not repel. We cannot white-knuckle our thoughts away. 
we really have to focus. We have to let God replace our perspective with his. We need to let God speak to us about his work, his will, his love, his acceptance, his forgiveness in our lives. How do you replace your negative thoughts with God's perspective? At a very young age, 15, 16 years old, I remember new believer didn't understand the first century documents, Christian documents, New Testament at all. Uh, but I, I understood the spirit of them. And I remember taking my horse, my Appaloosa horse, Monica, up into the foothills of San Juan Capistrano regularly. I remember going up very steep grades and probably getting up about 1,000 or 1,500 feet, having a total view of San Juan Capistrano Valley and even of the Pacific Ocean and Dana Point. I remember that the higher I went up, the higher we climbed, Monica and I, she did most of the work, that I found my mind being focused on my creator and, and really replacing some of those uh, adolescent angst that I had with, with, with thoughts about my creator, uh, with honestly thoughts about his creation, my horse. I used to love, for some reason, I just remember taking my hand and uh, wiping it down the sweaty right shoulder uh, of her um, front quarters. I just thought she was just amazing. There was something about being out in nature and being with God's creation that helped me uh, replace my negative thoughts. And I think it's a principle that holds true. Just last summer, I had a chance to be out in God's creation with one of his greatest creatures, my granddaughter, Scarlett. We had an opportunity to take her to my hometown and give her her first experience on the beach. This is her. We're trying to protect her pearl white skin from any sunburn. And she doesn't look happy, but she really is, kind of. I'm probably the happier one. It was so much fun to just really enjoy that moment because I found that when I was with my loved ones, when I was with nature, man, those experiences replaced any sort of destructive thoughts I had. I was able to displace those thoughts and really embrace something really surreal personally. In a lockdown, how do you let God redeem your emotions? The, the first step is to let God displace destructive thoughts by thinking up. Think up about the nature of God, his workmanship, your family, great memories. Displace destructive thoughts with God's perspective, his purpose, his work, his will, his love, his acceptance, his forgiveness, faithfulness, his wonder, and his works. In other words, find other thoughts to think about. It makes a big difference. Lesson number four in a lockdown on how to let God redeem our emotions is to cultivate constructive thoughts. Paul gives us a beautiful list here, and he says in summary, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about such things. We've been in lockdown together as a country for a couple months. Wow. Seems like a couple years, doesn't it? You know, if you live in a cold state, and when I say cold state, I'm thinking Washington, Montana, I'm thinking North Dakota, Michigan. They say if you live in a cold state that cabin fever is a real issue. 
but there's a trick to enduring through cold state February cabin fever. And that trick is, in February, you have to plan for a destination to be at in May. You have to plan ahead for a destination to be at in May. And when you have the hope of a May destination that you're getting out, lockdown becomes tolerable. Hey, just for fun, in our YouTube comments, I'd like to hear from you. What is your, what is your destination, shall I say, in June or July, Lord willing? Where do you want to be? We're going to have some fun here, and we're going to give the first and fifth comment a free uh, electronic Starbucks gift card. Take a moment, tell us about your future destination, and if you don't get the gift card, no big deal. I'd like to see where you plan on going. Um, even if it's just uh, down the street, it would be nice to hear. And I know some of you might say, not leaving the house. That's just fine. We're all in that in different places. Have you picked where we're going? I think we're going pretty sure. We're going to go, personally, we're going to Healdsburg. Oh, yes. Please. Just me and you. Okay. Um, and I'm thinking we'll take your parents to Tahoe. Okay. I'm going to think that I might like that. Okay. And we're going to Arkansas for a little bit, for two weeks. Have a good time. Okay. See the south. All right. I can't wait to see what you put. Oh, yes. Cool. So, question. Why do you change your thoughts? Why change your thoughts? What's the why behind this? And here's, here's the why. Because you have a unique destination. If you're a Christ follower, according to this very letter that he sent to the church at Philippi, you have a different destination than, than others. And it's this. It's based on the fact that your citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior to come from there. And so why you would change your thoughts is because you have a different destination than someone who doesn't believe in Christ. That's the why. Well, and I actually think that can be how you change your thoughts, is recognizing that we have a, distant, a different destination. We are, that is our hope, is the city of Christ. So we can try to keep from being distracted by negative thoughts by saying, this is the thought I'm having is where we're going. It's good. It's good. The second is, how do you change your thoughts? How do you change your thoughts? It is, it's not as easy as it, it may sound. I think it can be very, very difficult. Uh, I think the, the example I can come up with is from Tony Gwynn. Is anyone missing baseball right now? Anybody uh, missing the, uh, the sound of the umpire saying, play ball? or the crack of the bat. Um, frankly, I am a little bit. Uh, I'm, I'm reminded of a story I read about Tony Gwynn in uh, George Will's Men at Work, talking about Tony's incredible work habits. One of the things that might help you appreciate baseball more is the difficulty it is to hit a fastball, a slider, a screwball, um, a changeup, a ball that's moving sometimes over 90 miles an hour. Tony Gwynn was one of the top 30-ish hitters to ever play the game. One description that George Will gives of, gives of him is that at Jack Murphy Stadium in San Diego, he had a batting cage set up for him, 
And he went into that cage uh, five times a week before and after practice and took 200 swings. 200 swings to help develop his muscle memory, to help uh, develop his, uh, where his hands would be after the swing was over. He was a master at hitting the ball anywhere in the field. But he made deliberate decisions. He actually made deliberate practices in his life, 200 swings a day, that resulted in muscle memory. What's true about Tony Gwynn's discipline with the bat, his deliberate muscle memory practices, is also very true about our minds. They can be, they can be uh, programmed, they can be trained to have mental muscle memory. And Paul speaks to this. Under the question, how do you change your thoughts? It's with deliberate decisions. The Apostle Paul said this, we, speaking of he and his team, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. When I was in high school and probably even younger than that, that was like one of my go-to memory verses. Of course, I didn't memorize the whole thing, but it was I take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. So no matter what it was, like Scott said, sometimes negative thoughts just come. We, and we can't do anything about it, we think. But we can take those thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. So you take a negative thought captive and you say, what does Christ say about this? I, I think I'm ugly. What does Christ say? Christ says that charm is deceptive and beauty is vain. So any negative thought I would have, I would take that and I would figure out what scripture says about it and kind of respond to it. And it doesn't happen overnight. You don't automatically now never struggle with these negative thoughts. But you get better and better and better the more often that you do it. In fact, Melissa, you have a test that you use personally. Uh, you'll, you'll ask this question, what is the outcome of this thought? Speak to that for just a moment. Well, it's, it's tempting to think it's okay for me to have this negative thought. But like if the ultimate end of that thought, where does that take you? I mean, what's the good in continuing to think, you know, I'm this or I'm that, or he says he doesn't like me. He says he doesn't like me. He says he doesn't like me. Like, what's the point of that? It only takes you to this negative space that has no benefit. So to get in the habit of practicing taking every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ can be revolutionary in how God redeems your emotions and takes you from being a fearful, a scared person to being someone who really has much more faith in the future. Love it. And Paul, Paul, Paul really uh, implies, really says, this is not a one-off. This is a life, uh, a life effort. He's in his 50s, perhaps late 50s, writing from this prison cell. He's experienced Christ face-to-face, uh, -face, received all of his revelation and teaching from Christ. Um, he's experienced great suffering. And he says, hey, not that I've already obtained all of this um, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. And I can tell you it, it's true that the more you practice it, replacing those negative thoughts with what God says, 
it, it becomes more second nature to go straight to the good thought. In fact, I'm kind of, and this is all God's grace, that my brain is wired such now that it's almost the very first thing I do when something bad happens is I switch it and say, now what's all the good that can come from this? And that wasn't an overnight thing, but it was just practice of believing that God, um, what's the verse? Uh, everything works for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Well, you practice that thought enough that now the second something bad happens, minutes later I'm already at, wow, look at all the good stuff that can come out of this. But it takes practice. It's not like an overnight thing, but you do have to make the decision to take your thoughts captive and make them obedient. That's great. Seriously. I mean, it's, it's, it's those moments where we think the right thought and we prepare ourselves and train ourselves, practice the mental muscle memory. Mm -hmm. When things are super difficult, we, we right. practiced all the muscle, the mental muscle memory, and we're ready to go. It's not a difficult decision at that point. In your lockdown, how do you let God redeem your emotions? What we're saying this time is, is let God cultivate constructive thoughts. Again, by thinking up, by thinking up. He's given us some great things to think about. Uh, Paul says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And I wanted to tell you the tool that I use regularly is the tool I used this morning. I provided you just an image of what I did today. Uh, this morning when I first got up, I went into my backyard and enjoyed God's nature enjoyed creation here in the Thomas, and I opened up God's other incredible gift to us, the Bible, the, which is a, a combination of the, the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, and the first century documents, the New Testament. And I open up and I read certain sections. This morning I read in Psalms, I read uh, the proverb for the day, and I also am continuing to read in Second uh, Chronicles. And I just, I just make notes. In my Bible, literally, I dated simple notes and asked God to speak to me and give me direction. I believe that moment, I believe, with uh, an attitude that is thinking up. And it's just, it is so important to me uh, to make certain I do that. If you don't have a habit of that, I encourage you to start the habit. The second opportunity I want to give you, I've been really inspired in the last year um, along with other folks that call Adventure Home and people throughout the country, by Stephen Armstrong's ministry, Verse by Verse, this guy is an incredible teacher. Uh, he goes deep, and I can't encourage you enough. If you're looking for something deep, and he's in Revelation right now, I encourage you to dive in. It could really strengthen your faith and uh, give you some more uh, mental muscle memory that you need to continue to think up. Uh, during this very emotional time. And if you need something that's a little more specific, if there's some negative thought, some fearful thought that keeps coming, you know it keeps coming, then I would kind of uh, urge you to find a passage that counteracts that and memorize it. Memorize it so that when you know that thought's going to come every time I do this, I have this thought, you're already ready with the thought that you're using the scripture you're using to kind of take captive that negative thought. That's great. 
Final thought. What do you think was the most true, noble, and praiseworthy thought that Paul had on his mind at this maritime prison? What was the one thought that he had that was so valuable to him? Praiseworthy, excellent, true. I would imagine it could have been that moment that he heard from Jesus. Saul, I am Jesus whom you persecute. Or that moment when his sight was returned to him and scales like fish scales came down from his eyes. Do you have a moment where a moment of great virtue, a moment of great um, of hope where you encounter Jesus Christ. You have a moment like that. When I was 12 or 13, uh, my dad had died about eight years prior and my mom's friend was over visiting my mom. And as she was leaving, I was sitting in the family room, probably enjoying some Led Zeppelin and she just paused and turned and looked at me and she said these words, Scott, God is a father to the fatherless. He's your father. I'd never heard that before in my whole life. I, I knew very little about the Bible, very little, way too much reading. I like pictures, surfing magazine, not the Bible. But when she said that to me, it was such a moment for me. I was like, are you serious? I mean, I didn't say that, but I'm like, what? From that moment on, I started making God my father in all my decisions. And there were times when there wasn't evidence of it, but I, I really have continued from that very moment to making my father. You know what's happened? He continues to redeem my emotions. He continues to help me grow in him. And I'm not there yet, but I'm enjoying the, the journey with my wife. It's been awesome. Do you need to have a moment now today where your emotions your emotions are in the process of being redeemed. Where you let God buy them back. You give God a mind that displaces destructive thoughts and cultivates constructive thoughts. If you're at that place right now, I want to lead you in a prayer for your emotions during this lockdown. Join me, would you? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this season. We've got to be with our children. We've got to be with our spouses more than ever. In some cases, we're very lonely, Lord, uh, because we're not around anybody and we get a lot of time to be with you and we're grateful for that. God, we just want to ask, would you please redeem our emotions? If that's your prayer today, I invite you to just say, Lord, yeah, redeem my emotions. Redeem them and, and help me think up in this lockdown. Just say that, Lord, help me think up in this lockdown. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let God redeem your emotions. That's how you're going to stand firm in the Lord, in this way. It's the pattern that Paul left us. Hey, next week, I hope you'll join me I'm looking forward uh, to answering the question, what's adventure going to be like in the future? You guys have a great weekend. We love you. Melissa, thanks so much for being here with me. You're awesome. My pleasure. Bye-bye.